My name is J.W. Oker. I'm an author, and I like to go out and look for weird stuff. I call it oddity. For more than a decade, I've sought out oddities of nature, oddities of art, oddities of culture and history. I believe that within a tank or two of gas, of any point in this country, is some seriously cool oddity, and that we all should go check it out. This is Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. All right, for this episode, we're going to go back in time a little bit because the present really sucks right now. We're going to go to 2011, well, to a place I visited back in 2011. So just so you know, some of my info might be a decade out of date. In 2011, I was doing a lot of traveling for my second book, The New York Grimpendium. I was driving all over the state, something like 9,000 miles, I want to say I logged for this book, the entire time looking for anything macabre and death-related and weird enough to fit in a book with a Grim Reaper Statue of Liberty on the cover. And I don't feel too bad recycling one of my visits from the New York Grimpendium because it is my least selling book of all of my books so far, which is tragic. I mean, I, I mean, one book, one of the one of my books has to be my least selling book, but it shouldn't be this one. In fact, I know exactly which one it should be. <laughs> it shouldn't be the New York Grimpendium, but it is. And there are wonders like the one I'm about to show you or tell you about in this episode. Anyway, one of those highways that I drove, those 9,000 miles of roadways and highways, took me to the town of Lilydale. Actually, it's a hamlet in the colorful way that New York calls its places. It's located in the town of Pomfret, and that's about 60 miles southwest of Buffalo and 15 miles from Lake Erie. It's about eight hours from where I live in southern New Hampshire. Two of those hours, I believe, are in New England, and the other six are crossing the entire width of New York. And it's a good drive. I've taken it a few times, mostly to get to Niagara Falls. But this time, I was driving with a bit of dread for what I was about to see. Not for the oddity. The oddity is great. Lilydale, New York is an amazing oddity, and I'll tell you about why in a second. But what I was really dreading was what I would have to do in Lilydale, And that is to get a one-on-one reading with a medium. See, I had never done that before. Uh, later on when I did my a season with the witch book about my time in Salem, I went to a lot of mediums and psychics and fortune tellers. But at this stage of my life, I'd never been to one, and I, I was dreading it, mostly because I knew it was going to be really, really awkward, for no other reason except for that, just really awkward. But I had to do it because that's the entire point of Lilydale, New York. After all, we're talking about a town or a hamlet where every other resident is a medium. See, back in the mid-1800s, spiritualism, that hazy belief system, the central tenet of which is that the dead don't die, they just get more talkative, was in its heyday in New York. Sites like the Georgetown Spirit House, which I got to visit, and the popularity of the Rochester area Fox Sisters, whose sites I also got to visit for the New York Compendium, revealed that at that time, the dead in New York were much more interesting people to talk to than the living. And the area that is now Lilydale started out around this time, the mid-1850s, 1879, in fact, was the exact date. It started out as an informal camp for people of this free-thinking persuasion, which is uh, one of the ways they referred to spiritualism back then, to meet. In that year, 1879, land was purchased for the official establishment of a spiritualist community and eventually named Lilydale Assembly. Since that time, every year, this 140-year-old community 
of some 250 spiritualists host conferences, services, and personal and public readings, usually during the summertime. In fact, they used to get some 25,000 visitors a year looking to hire an envoy to the other side. In fact, so many people visit Lilydale in the summertime that the residents charge an entry fee to the town itself. Now, before we took this eight-hour drive to Lilydale, I tried to set up an advance appointment with a medium for a weekend in August, because that's just the timing I had as I was doing the book. And I went through more than a dozen different mediums who had zero space on their calendars to talk to me. At that time, again, 2011, the town had about 40 registered mediums. And that meant, registered mediums meant that they'd been vetted and found genuine by the governing body of Lilydale. Uh, When I couldn't find a medium, I moved the trip deeper into the year in the fall, in September. And once I kind of moved it to the off season, I was able to secure a half hour of a medium's time. So we got to Lilydale in the perfect time of year in the fall. So it was a brilliant drive. The town looks great in the fall. It's surrounded by forests and trees. And I remember a pumpkin patch in town. So it was it was great. Perfect timing. Way better than August. Also way better than August. We didn't have to pay to get in. I remember driving past the open gate where, you know, a few weeks earlier, we'd have paid 10 bucks per person just to get in. Once we were inside, it was really evident that Lilydale is almost supernaturally quaint. It was as if all of the state's grandmothers got together and started their own enclave. There were Victorian houses in very pretty colors, many of which bore small, neat shingles stating which medium was in residence there. Uh, They were set together really closely on a few parallel streets. You could run around the entire downtown in seconds without even spraining a lung. It was very small, very compact, and had a very kind of cozy atmosphere to it. We parked in a small, empty dirt lot that was reserved for visitor parking. There were almost no other visitors there. I remember one or two walking around the streets that I assumed were visitors. Obviously, I, had, I don't know if there were residents or visitors, but the parking lot itself was empty. In fact, the whole place seemed like a different kind of ghost town than the ghost town it actually was. The way we timed our visit was so that we could get our readings done first. And when I say our readings, we actually got two readings, one for myself one-on-one with the medium, and then one for my wife, one-on-one with the very same medium. However, a better way for me to tell the story is not chronologically. I'm going to save the actual reading for the last part of the story and get to what else we did in Lilydale, because it's not just a place you can get medium readings from the other side. You can see the museum. You can walk through some of its more historic sites. You can take the path into the forest. It's a nice place to walk around in between talking to dead people. So just to give you a little bit of the geography or topography of the place, Lilydale is cradled between the idyllic three-bead necklace that is Lake Casadaga, or Casadega, not quite sure how to pronounce that, and the old growth of Lilin Forest, which I also don't know how to pronounce. It's spelled L-E-O-L-Y-N. And that forest is full of trees hundreds of years in age. So again, a very idyllic spot, a very beautiful spot, especially in September. Now, you can get a map of the town online or whatever, but you don't really need it. It's, like I said, a small place, and there are signs pointing you to all the points of interest. So probably the first thing we did after getting our readings was we headed down one of the forest walking trails, which meandered past a pet cemetery and onto the forest temple. And that forest temple is not a building. It's a cleared spot in the forest filled with rows of benches, all facing the fabled inspiration stump capital i capital s inspiration stump 
See, for the past century or so, mediums and other speakers have led services and conferences from the pulpit of this dead tree. Back when I saw it, the stump had been buttressed with cement and was protected by a low iron fence. So at this point in its life, it was more a historical artifact than it was a usable thing. So more of a symbol than a soapbox, I guess. On top of it was a cement slab, and on top of that were placed pictures and jewelry and other mementos of the dead. It was visited almost like an altar, it felt like, there in the forest. After that, we visited the former spot of the original home of the Fox sisters. So this is a whole story in itself. I did a whole section on the Fox sisters in the New York Compendium, visiting multiple spots related to them. Where they grew up, where their whole kind of mediumship started was in a cabin in Hydesdale, New York, which is modern-day Newark. Today, the cabin's not there. You can still go there, and the foundation is there still, covered up in a building kind of protecting it from the weather. But the house was moved to Lilydale back in 1916. Now, this was an important building in the Annals of Spiritualism because this is where the Fox sisters first started speaking to the dead when they were children, basically. So when Lilydale got their hands on the cabin, that acquisition raised the profile of the town as a spiritualist mecca considerably. Now they were home to the home of the Fox sisters. Unfortunately, that only lasted for a few decades because in 1955, the cottage was raised by a mysterious fire, just burned right to the ground. These days, or at least back when I saw it, a plaque in a small garden area commemorate the foundation print of the cottage. So you can see where the cottage stood in Lilydale after, you know, standing over in Hydesville. And I probably, I probably should do a podcast on the Fox sisters. That story is fascinating. And there are quite a few places to visit that are related to them, from memorials to uh, sites where they lived or places they visited. It is a really kind of crazy story. Even graves. I've even been to uh, the graves of at least one of the sisters. I can't quite remember off the top of, the, of my head. I've been to too many graves to keep them all straight. But they were super interesting, those women. Finally, after doing the Inspiration Stump and the site of the Fox Sisters cabin, we went to Lilydale Museum itself, which is basically the town attic, like all local museums are for their towns. The building was pink and gray and a couple of floors, very, again, Victorian looking like all the houses. And it was only open usually during the busy season in the summertime when there were a lot of people in Lilydale. However, the curator of the museum, Ron Nagy, he was kind enough to meet us and show us around, give us kind of a special tour uh, because I reached out in advance and told him I was writing a book about New York and an entire section dedicated to Lilydale itself. The museum area inside this building was relatively small, but it was packed, like absolutely packed. There was a lot of stuff to see, artifacts and records going back to before the town's formation, in fact. There were examples of every type of spirit communication in there. Spirit painting, slate writing, ear trumpets, as well as, you know, more conventionally historical objects connected to Lilydale. Also inside the museum were artifacts from famous mediums. The Campbell brothers, the Davenport brothers, the Bang sisters. Mediumship is kind of a family business often. The central exhibit, from the way it's arranged, but also in my opinion, seemed to be a case of artifacts that was salvaged from the Fox sisters' cottage fire including the infamous trunk where the supposed remains of the supposed murdered salesman were supposedly found. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense in the context of this podcast, but it's a very important part of the Fox sister story that they supposedly found a dead guy in the foundation of this cottage after the 
sisters were talking to a supposed dead guy. They also had a large model of the cabin dominating a central table inside the museum. So I don't know if you could ask for more from a medium and psychic museum than what was in the Lilydale Museum. It was really fascinating and made me wish I knew a lot more about spiritualism than I do. I mean, I've been to a lot of spiritualist sites and read, read up a lot about spiritualism, but it has a very rich and very, very weird history, both of how it kind of was passed throughout society back in the 1800s, but also who was a part of it and what they did. It's way worth looking into. Maybe I should do a whole entire podcast about spiritualism. But Lilydale, I'll stick to Lilydale because Lilydale itself is fascinating just by itself. I mean, we wandered around a bit. Uh, it was me and my wife and my first kid who was very young at the time. And after we saw that, after we talked to uh, the curator of the museum, we went back home. We did that eight-hour drive back. But we had something with us. We had CD recordings of our talks or interview sessions. That's what they're called, sessions with the medium that we get to listen to as we went back. So let me pick up that thread. So so keep in mind, as we were seeing all these spiritualist artifacts, we had just gotten readings ourselves for the first time in either one of our lives. The medium with whom I made the appointment was an older woman, as are many of the mediums in town. I'll leave out her name, obviously, because I don't have permission to talk about her. And I don't know. It just feels like I should leave out her name. But I remember sitting in her front room and it was tidily kept. There were floral and lacy patterns everywhere. Again, very grandmotherly, like the town itself. She inserted a blank CD into a machine that would record the session for me. That's part of the $60 service. She sat down across from me, opened the session with a prayer, just like it was a church service, and then the dead came. So according to this medium, I was first visited by a preacher whom I couldn't place. I tried hard to place this this visitor. And, you know, I, I have a, a lot of preachers in my past. I grew up Christian, so not a huge stretch. <laughs> There's probably a dead preacher in my past that maybe wants to say hi, but couldn't quite nail down who he was, couldn't quite connect to any kind of reality about me. So after a few minutes of, again, really awkwardly trying to figure that out together, next came along what I guess we determined to be one of my grandmothers. Now, at the time, both of my grandmothers were dead and had been for a long time, but, you know, couldn't figure out who it was. And all the clues about this woman, none of them seemed to land. She also missed some pretty major events in my life in the past year and made a few solid but unsubstantiated bets. For instance, that I would have another child. I was, you know, basically newlywed, so that was a nice shot. And she knew about my wife. She'd be talking to her in a little bit. Thought I did well at my job, things that were nice to hear, but, you know, weren't really seemingly supernaturally influenced. At some point, I actually began rooting for her to get something correct or to conjure some relevant information in my life. Like, and I mean, I mean this sincerely. I mean, I don't believe you can talk to the dead or talk to spirits, but I was really hoping that the awkwardness of her being regularly wrong about my life would stop. And I could help her out and we could land on some ideas and have a good time about it. But it was hard. I mean, for instance, she'd sometimes give random image impressions, hoping that they would spark something in my memory to connect them to. For instance, there was a random caterpillar image that she kept seeing that was connected to my sweater. And then that deceased grandmother that appeared had something to do with peanuts that she couldn't quite get. And, you know, it didn't really work. I was uncomfortable enough during this half hour time that I couldn't help but turn some of it into an interview with her. 
It was more comfortable for me to ask her questions than to answer her questions to me. So I asked her about life after death. What I learned from her was that in her particular belief system, death is a process of letting go of earthly things so that the soul can go on and do other things that are more soul worthy. You know, stop being all about the earth and be about bigger things, I guess. And whatever those things are, are probably incomprehensible to our minds now because we are completely earthly and concerned with earthly things. I also learned that the same goes for bad guys, for, say, serial killers or genocidal dictators, people who shouldn't be allowed to go on to do bigger, soul-worthy things, it feels like. These people end up at a slightly less pleasant but still vague place where they're stuck until they can come to terms with their crimes. None of it was really challenging. It all sounded okay. I mean, it was an idea. To me, usually the truth is super challenging. And when it's really true, we cannot quite agree with it. And we're, for, we're forced to deal with it. But this truth wasn't anything you had to deal with. It just kind of made sense if you wanted to talk about the afterlife in a vague way. I mean, don't get me wrong. The one thing I was pretty positive of when it came to this medium was that she was sincere. She really believed that these sensory impressions that she seemed to be getting were actual communications from an invisible realm. I didn't feel like I was being hoaxed. I didn't feel like that I was being performed to. I feel like she really believed that. And of course, that's irrelevant, I guess, but I would rather be <laughs> under the influence of the sincere than under the influence of the mechanistic, I guess I should say. But really, all in all, the half hour was packed with vague information and obvious guesswork and trying to just pull things out of me and hoping things landed. On another day, with other random information, maybe with a different medium, some stuff might have landed. And that's just kind of what happens when you make guesses. My wife, uh, whose session I didn't sit on, it was a one-on-one -on -one session, she told me that she had a pretty similar experience to mine. Except that for her, the medium was even farther off than I thought she was with me. And that's despite having the benefit of conversing with me beforehand. So she knew we were married. She knew we were, we were together. And apparently she couldn't kind of leverage any information from me to talk to my wife in any more of an insightful manner. Obviously, I can't say I went into it with a completely open mind, but I just can't believe that people can talk to the dead. And so I went in there with a pretty closed mind. I mean, again, I was rooting for her just to help me get out of the awkwardness of the situation, but I was pretty closed-minded about this. However, I do completely acknowledge that enduring the death of loved ones absolutely sucks. So if using a medium like a psychologist or using a medium to set up some impression that you can reach out after death, if that helps a person get through the horrible fact of human existence that people die, do it. Who cares? Go for it. It's a service <laughs> to us horribly mortal people. Um, but I will say, and here's, and here's the funny thing about psychics and mediums. Like I said, I went out of this session completely with zero valuable information, right? Nothing seemed accurate and none of it was of value to me. But then in telling this story to certain family members, they made connections. For instance, remember that caterpillar impression that the medium kept connecting with the sweater I was wearing? That sweater was bought for me by my mother-in-law, who was at that time looking to decorate our young child's bedroom. And she had just picked a caterpillar pattern. I think it was Eric Carl, the whatever caterpillar book that I can't remember off the top of my head now. So 
that's a few bounces away. Even better, I had a cousin contact me and say, hey, remember that whole thing about your grandmother and the peanuts? Do you remember where, you know, our grandmother lived? I was, And I said, no, I don't really remember. I mean, I remember the house and I remember the town, but I don't know what you're getting at. She said, she lived on Walnut Street. So maybe that was our grandmother. So again, another couple bounces away. I, I can't, again, that's really interesting. Uh, things I didn't put together in my own head that if I had of maybe the medium session would have gone in more interesting ways. But even knowing that, it's a very little value to me. But again, maybe that's how it all works. You know, these bounces, you, you bounce a ball into off enough walls, it hits the target. I don't know. But super interesting. And it doesn't change the fact whether, you know, you believe in mediums or not, that Lilydale itself is a super interesting place, a town full of mediums and just a nice town in general. If you can stomach the ghosts. All right, that's what I have for you today. Just a quick jaunt to the shores of Lake Erie to a town full of people who are talking to the dead. And I hope they still are. Like I said, it was 10 years ago. I hope it's full of mediums and they have are having lots of services and parties and communicating with the dead on a daily basis. So a few things for the show notes for this episode. Uh, I will post a link to photos from my visit to Lilydale, New York. I will post a link to where you can pick up my book, The New York Compendium, and hopefully make it not my least selling book because, I, again, I hate that it is. And maybe even of the most interest, I will post a link to the transcription I made of my interview with the medium. So check that out. Stay safe out there and come back for the next episode where I will tell you the story of my visit to something equally as odd as a town full of psychics. As much as you can't believe that because a town full of psychics is definitely odd, there are odder things out there. I'm J.W. Oker and this has been an episode of Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. Ugh, that's awful.